Welcome to Animal Health Insights. This podcast was created to connect producers, veterinarians, and animal owners with up-to-date information around animal health and disease. We're going to introduce you to the people and the organizations who are working to support animal health in Canada. Our podcast is developed with the support of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. Through these podcasts, CAS aims to engage producers, veterinarians, and the public in discussions around animal health and disease as part of work to strengthen animal health surveillance through knowledge, awareness, and data sharing. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Todd. I'm also a veterinarian. Let's get started. In the world of veterinary medicine, antibiotic-resistant bacteria are no longer an empty threat. They became a concrete reality. All doctors use antibiotic medications to treat bacterial and vector-borne diseases in our patients. And if we lose these valuable tools in our medical kit, human and animal health and welfare will suffer. Medical professionals, veterinarians and human physicians alike, take several steps when diagnosing and treating their patients to ensure that the use of an antibiotic is absolutely necessary. Veterinarians also have the essential role of ensuring that livestock are treated appropriately to ensure that they suffer minimal disease and are raised in as healthy a way as possible to fulfill the food chain safety and security for consumers. As part of these veterinary treatment and management decisions, antibiotics are used, when indicated, to treat or help prevent groups of animals from experiencing disease outbreaks. It can be frustrating when we lose access to certain types of antibiotics in order to reserve these for human medicine, but when we're left with few scientifically-based recommendations or treatments to support animal health, even though the risks and pressures of disease remain the same. Veterinarians look very closely at aspects of animal care, such as biosecurity, cleaning protocols, housing adjustments, and the movement of animals and people onto and off farms in order to ensure that we can truly minimize the chance of disease. But in many cases, there is no supplement or management change that has the same ability to treat and cure an infection that an antibiotic would. Today, we're going to discuss some research from the veterinary medicine faculty at the University of Montreal that should help to pinpoint risk factors for the movement and development of antimicrobial-resistant bacteria within equine populations. This is important work because without being able to identify or track antibiotic-resistant bacteria, we are really left in the dark when we try to adjust our management of our horses and our animals to minimize disease and to save these valuable medications for situations when they're absolutely necessary. Dr. Maud de Lagarde is a researcher and diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine, and she studies the movement of antimicrobial-resistant genes in bacterial populations that affect horses and swine in both Quebec and France. She's specifically interested in their route of dissemination to develop some strategies to help prevent antimicrobial resistance, and her work highlights some interesting intervention points. I'm pleased to have her with me to explain her work today on Animal Health Insights. Welcome, Dr. Delagarde. Well, thank you, Kate, for inviting me. It seems there is quite a bit of interest and discussion in the use of antibiotics and the development of antimicrobial resistance in agricultural animal populations. Why did you choose to investigate antimicrobial resistance in horses specifically? So first of all, Kate, I really want to thank you for letting me presenting this research. I think it's very important to raise awareness of antimicrobial resistance because it has been declared by the WHO as 
uh, one of the main threats against uh, medicine in, in 2014. And to answer your question, first, I chose horses because I have been in equine vets, and therefore I, I had to face some very complicated clinical situations uh, where we had no more antimicrobial option to offer to our patients. And that was very upsetting. And that's actually when it struck me. Uh, horses have been until very recently a forgotten species as far as antimicrobial resistance is concerned. As equine vet, we had very few studies and an um, antimicrobial resistance in equine pathogens and let's say no study at all on the presence of resistance genes uh, in the healthy population. And yet, uh, as you said in your introduction, this information is crucial to administrate the right medication as soon as possible and therefore both to prevent treatment failure and antimicrobial resistance emergence. So could you give us an idea of what types of antibiotic medications are used in equine veterinary medicine right now, and what sorts of diseases veterinarians are using these to treat? Well, in Canada, we have uh, penicillins, tetracyclines, macrolides, quinolones, and some others. But compared to human medicine, it's uh, very few molecules. But the one I really want to talk to you about is actually one of the main antibiotic that is used in equine medicine, and it's used to treat all sorts of infections, but uh, specifically pulmonary disease. It's the, the well-known safety of fear, the one uh, that people know as XNL or Exceed. This molecule is a third-generation cephalosporin, and uh, as such, it's classified by the Canadian Health as uh, very important in human medicine. It's classified in the so-called first category. And what it means is even if the ceftiofur is not directly used in human medicine, the use and the overuse of it could generate what we call cross-resistance, meaning that bacteria that are resistant to ceftiofur are also resistant to other third-generation cephalosporin that are used in, in human medicine. And that's why this molecule is crucial uh, on a public health point of view. So how was your research study set up and what did you do to investigate antibacterial resistance? How did you select the horses that you were you're going to test? Well, we sampled healthy adult horses, both in Quebec and France. We actually took fecal sample to evaluate the proportion of horses carrying resistance to each antimicrobial. We had a specific focus on the antimicrobial in the first category, as I just told you about, the third-generation cephalosporin, uh, because of the public health issue. Also, for all horses that had a fecal sample taken, owners had to complete a questionnaire on the housing, the feeding habits, and medical history of the horse to evaluate the risk factors of the presence of resistance. Was there a reason that you sampled horses that were healthy, as opposed to testing horses that were being treated for an infection? We actually wanted to have a picture of the general population that most riders and actually all horse people are in contact with. These data were completely missing in the literature for most countries. And as we already said, it's very important to evaluate the risks they can represent for horse people. So after you tested these fecal samples, what did you find out? 
So we picked randomly uh, three bacteria, uh, which are called E. coli, in uh, each sample. E. coli is present in a fecal sample of all animals, and it has a great capacity of transporting and spreading antimicrobial genes. Therefore, it's uh, recognized as being a representative of resistance. And we tested this E. coli for antimicrobial susceptibility. When some were resistant to ceftiofur, we tested them for the presence of known gene to evaluate their presence in the horse population. And what we found was that almost one horse out of two carries uh, in their feces bacteria that are uh, what we call multidrug resistance, meaning that they are resistant to uh, antimicrobial belonging to at least three different categories. The antimicrobials that were the most impacted were the penicillins, penicillins and inhibitors, and tetracyclines. And we also found that between 5 and 10% of horses carry bacteria that are resistant to ceftiofur. It's definitely substantial, but if you compare it to other species, such as, for example, um, a sample of dogs that have been taken in Ontario in 2018, it was a little bit lower. And for risk factor, in France, we found that uh, horses housed in a riding school, those had uh, taken medication within the last three months, and those who are housed in premises with more than five persons taking care of horses were more at risk to carry resistance. In Quebec, the horse that participated to an equestrian event and uh, the horse that were housed in premises with more than five persons taking care of them were uh, more at risk to carry resistance. There were a little uh, difference in the questionnaires between the two studies that might explain uh, the differences in between the two studies. So does this mean that people who own and work with horses are being exposed to some risky bacteria then? Certainly some of these findings sound concerning for public health risks for people. Well, thank you, Kate, because this is a very tricky and interesting question. Actually, we did not evaluate bacteria in the feces of owners or of the staff, so we did not evaluate the risk of transmission between horses and humans. But some of our data strongly suggest that bacteria from the microbiome of horses are transmissible from horses to horses, even if the horses are, are not on the same premises. But for now, there is very little proof in the literature that uh, it can be transmissible from human to horses or reciprocally, although it's definitely possible and it definitely needs to be investigated further. But I really want to mention here that the study was not performed to scare people away from horses. It was done for horse people to realize that antimicrobial resistance is a global problem and that we should fight it together. For example, all medical condition in horses, but that's true for any other species, pets, uh, livestock, and even human. All medical conditions does not necessitate antimicrobial therapy, and nobody should be medicated with antibiotics if it's not necessary. With our study, we showed that horses are not more at risk than other pets, but should be taken into consideration in the global approach of uh, antimicrobial resistance fight. So you investigated the movement of these antimicrobial-resistant populations in horses in Quebec, but also in France. Why were these two locations of interest to you for your research? The two populations are very interesting because they represent horse population on two continents, Europe and North America. And it was very interesting to find that resistance were very similar between the two regions, 
And that is probably explained by the fact that equine vets face the same challenges on both continents. So did you find any significant differences looking at the French horses versus the Quebec horses? We found differences between the nature of the genes carrying resistance to cephalosporins, but the general picture of resistance were mostly similar. So one of the things that I find really frustrating about antimicrobial resistance research and other activities is I guess that at the end of the day, there aren't a lot of solid take-home action points for veterinarians to implement in day-to-day practice. Your research looked at a number of risk factors for movements of these antimicrobial resistant bacteria. Did you uncover any intervention points that may really make a difference in how veterinarians work with and treat their patients? Well, you're right, Kate. And for us, it was a very important point. It is nice to do some monitoring study, but it's necessary to find some recommendations for the practitioner on the field to improve the situation. So if you look at our risk factor analysis, we found several interesting points. The first one is the fact that we, we found that horses housed in premises with more than 5% taking care of them were more at risk to carry resistance. And we found that in the two studies, so in France and in Quebec. So this gives this criteria a, a lot of strengths. Therefore, as a veterinarian, you will know that uh, if you have to treat a horse in this type of premises with antimicrobial, you might want to perform an antimicrobial test susceptibility to make sure you use the right antimicrobial right away. And now you have scientific evidence to comfort uh, this recommendation. Based on the other risk factor, we also could advise the owner of the premises to take care of horses that are participating to equestrian events separately when possible. So for example, uh, you should not put a horse that stay on the stable and, and one which is going to competition in the same paddock to prevent antimicrobial spread. And the same recommendation could be made with the horse that has been medicated on the premises. So where can people access more information on your research? Are there any particular studies or resources that you think would be really helpful for equine veterinarians or for horse owners to access? Well, our three complete articles are available in open access on, on PubMed, so they can be read by everybody. And also, the article from Quebec, the Quebec study, has been summarized on the host talk, so it's available uh, on, on their website. And the MAPAC have published some um, very interesting flashcards on the topic, and this is also accessible on the MAPAC website. So I'm interested to know what what do you think the future holds for this type of research in horses? What would you like to investigate next? Well, there's many things, obviously, but um, the three that I, I find the most important are the first, the duration of excretion. Uh, this is a very important criteria to elaborate more specific and accurate recommendations for the isolation of horses, uh, for example. Unfortunately, our study was not designed for that. The second that would be very interesting to do would be to redo the same study in Quebec in a few years, and um, that would allow us to evaluate what uh, what impact had the new regulation that have been installed in 2019 on the rate of antimicrobial resistance in horses. 
And the third aspect, we already talked uh, about, uh, about it a, a little bit, is the, the transmission from human to horses. That definitely needs to be uh, investigated. Thank you so much, Dr. Delagarde, for sharing the findings of this research with us. I'll add some extra thanks for uh, working to find some real areas for veterinarians and horse owners where they can take some action to minimize the movement of these antimicrobial-resistant pathogens amongst our horses, and for shedding some light on some of the public health considerations for horses as companion animals. For those who are interested to learn more on this topic, we've shared some links to Dr. Delagarde's research and to these resources she's mentioned on our website at www.cas.ca. Thanks for joining us today for Animal Health Insights. Once again, I'd like to thank the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System for their support of the Animal Health Insights podcast. CAS is an initiative of the National Farmed Animal Health and Welfare Council, and it has broad-based support from both livestock sectors and from government. CAS brings together data and information from across Canada in order to demonstrate animal health and to guide planning on national animal health priorities. Effective disease surveillance can demonstrate the health of our animals, and it enables prompt action to minimize the negative impacts of disease. Funding is provided through the Agri-Assurance Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal, provincial, territorial initiative.